This is Geeks and Jacks. And welcome back to Geeks and Jacks episode 145. Recording March 9th, 2023. This is Ryan Sullivan. Glad to have you here. Before heading to this episode, this podcast is on anchor.fm. You can also find us on Spotify, Radio Public, and Google Podcasts. Run on down on those places, search for Geeks and Jocks. Plenty of content awaits. Definitely interesting things to talk about. Creed 3 punching its way to number one at the box office. Uh, Jay Morant suspension for the NBA. Chase Elliott being injured from snowboarding cancellation of Dilbert, and a few other things in this episode of Geeks and Jacks. So, let's jump into the movies. Now, it was an interesting week, the, f- the previous weekend. Ant-Man 3 beat out Cocaine Bear and Jesus Revolution, but... The other two had a pretty good weekend for for debut weekends. Now, obviously, Creed Three. I don't think it was a matter of it being number one, but how big of an opening weekend it was going to have. I'm assuming it was pretty late on box office mojo to say that, oh, this is going to be a wide release. But, yep, wide release for Creed 3. Punching its way to over $58 million over the weekend. Well received right now, as it stands, with its numbers uh, following Tuesday, the 7th. It's made over $110 million right now. $67.8 million domestically and 43.1 internationally and this is coming off the heels of all that stuff of no Rocky being in there the first time Sylvester Stallone's character is not in it and the story I had a glimpse at looking at a couple stories regarding that and supposedly Stallone not liking the direction it was going not so much what Michael B. Jordan was doing, uh, Jordan playing the title character Creed, Adonis. But a story, you know, about Stallone and his beef with Erwin Winkler, who has produced all the Rocky movies and the Creed movies, produced many other films as well. And, uh,. There was something last year regarding, I think, potentially an Ivan Drago movie, potentially, and Stallone blasting Winkler on that. And, yeah, I'm not sure anyone would would like that. I mean, Rocky Four is not a liked movie. In fact, I think it was panned when it first came out in 85. I mean, it's basically political field crap. I mean, it's not a bad movie, but when you look 
look at it compared to even like Rocky 3 the change in direction just was off-putting to many viewers I mean it still gets a lot of airtime because you know it's Rocky against Drago and Rocky fighting people in the ring but it loses part of what made the first three especially one and two very special so I who knows what's going to happen, and yeah, it's just a mess of a situation, I think. I don't think a Drago movie would work. It worked with Creed 2 because they were kind of painted as the villains, kind of, in a way. But yeah, Creed 3, number one. Number two, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, 12.8 million. And as it stands now, it's nearing 190 million domestic, 265, almost 266 internationally, and it is sitting at 455 million worldwide. Whether this makes 500 million or not, I don't know, but it's going to be rough for the next couple weeks. It, It could barely squeak in at 500 million, but it's. If this can't even reach the numbers of the first Ant-Man, that will be very pathetic. It'll be hugely pathetic. Number three, Cocaine Bear. Dropping a little over 50%, making a little over 11 million. Standing now at 54.5 million. 43.6 million domestic and almost 11 mil internationally so yeah (laughs) oh boy I'm kind of surprised the numbers are that high but should easily get to 50 million 60 million maybe by the end of its run number four Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba to the Swordsmith Village so this was in 1700 theaters via Crunchyroll distributing it and it made just over $10 million. I think this might have been just a one weekend only thing. Because $25.4 million internationally. And it's made just over $35 million. There must be like a demand or something. Especially over the course of the last year or two. With seeing some of these anime movies that are hitting theaters. And... Maybe Crunchyroll and some of these other anime companies, they're trying to find a way to get people to watch these anime films, or maybe they're just looking for ways to satisfy the fans and give them something that they deserve, you know, see it on the big screen. But then again, who knows? Who really knows? Still, to make it number four is pretty good. Number five, Jesus Revolution, making eight and a half million. Sitting at just over 30 million uh, after this past Sunday. Now at almost 32.6 million. 
there was a thing I was talking about last week about a couple actors not apologizing for certain things. There was one that just came up with Kelsey Grammer talking about not apologizing for being Christian. I don't know if what Ben Stiller and Patrick Warburton knew what they were doing, but it might just be an opening up to people. Hey, we're not apologizing for the work we've done or what we believe in. It's something we're proud of. Get over it. Who knows? We might see more people really open up and say, listen, we believed in this. We loved what we did. We're not apologizing for anything. We're not regretting anything. That's at least what I'm saying. And I think, regardless of whether these celebrities are liberal or conservative, they're not dealing with these whiny opposites who thought that these actors were in tune with them. At least that's how I see it. Number six, Avatar, The Way of Water, 3.6 million? Just a 24% drop, though. Right now at 671 million, domestic 1.611 billion, almost nearing 2.3 billion, sitting at 2.283. So it might be safe to say its run might be about over. Number seven, Operation Fortune, Ruse de Gure. So this movie made just over 3 million, about 3.1. And actually just for, nope, that's not what I wanted. I want to find what the reviews are like for this movie. Because it's actually got a, yeah, mixed reception so far. Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic just a percent above 50 as it stands on IMDb 6.7. This is from Guy Ritchie. Jason Statham is an actor, is acting in it and producing. Pretty decent cast as well. Bugsy Malone, Josh Hartnett, uh, Aubrey Plaza, Hugh Grant, Carrie Ellis. Maybe the direction that Ritchie wanted... And it didn't go what they wanted. But it is doing better internationally, so maybe it might recoup some of its losses. Maybe that's how it works when making a movie over in places like the UK or Europe. It, it fares much more in those regions compared to what you get here in America. Sitting at nearly 35 million, 3.8 domestic, and just over 31 million in international waters. Number eight, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. I believe this is appearing on Peacock right now for streaming, but 2.7 million. Just a third of a drop, and that's pretty good. 
177 million domestic, 277.1 internationally. It just keeps going. You're hoping whatever comes out for kids entertainment, I mean, holds on to families' interests. You hope. Number nine, Magic Mike's Last Dance at 1.1 million. Obvious big drop. It's been out for almost a month. And barely getting to 25.5 million and 27.7 million. Like I said last week, obvious flop. And number 10, 80 for Brady, 885,000. So obviously, probably probably gets one more weekend if I had to guess and call it quits. Pull it out of the theater. Still 38.6 million. That's better than what I thought this movie would do. Just the way that I look at it. A month in theaters, I mean, that's pretty good, nevertheless. As far as what's coming out, a couple wide releases. And that includes Scream 6, Champions, and 65. Scream 6, it's like a new group of kids dealing with the killer. Uh, Champions, it's like a remake or like a redoing of some foreign movie. Bobby Fairley directing it. Woody Harrelson as the coach of a... Yeah, ordered by a court to manage a team of players with intellectual disabilities. There must be something with, like, the Fairley brothers. They, like, Bobby Fairley directing this... Even though he may not have written this, there's something about like making the intellectual disability people like some of the highlights of their movies. Like they don't they don't dumb them down completely and they become integral figures at points, at least in their early movies. Biggest example, I think, is Warren from There's Something About Mary. And the other being 65, that's the other wide release. A lot of limited releases, including The Magic Flute, 99 Moons, Southern Gospel, I Got a Monster, Righteous Thieves, Infinite Sea, and Shona Bar Bickel's Saturday Afternoon. Then next week, the only big release... A miss. What looks like about ten limited releases. Shazam: Fury of the Gods. That's something I would wouldn't mind seeing because I really liked the first one. I saw that in the theater. It was really good. I'm not a comic book movie guy, but I'll see it. I'll definitely see it. Going back to Scream for a brief moment. Interesting group of cast members, and that includes Jenna Ortega. And she found herself talking about 
her generation of people, uh, Gen Z. Yeah, interesting uh, group of... Actually, interesting group of familiar faces for, for this Scream movie. But, I digress. Ortega's been in some horror movies in a short amount of time, and she is huge right now for the title character, uh, Wednesday, which I believe is on Netflix. Let's just look at that for a brief moment. I just want to see how old she is. I thought she was, like, younger, but she is 20. She's found her, you know, some TV show stuff and has grown into what looks like some suspenseful and horror stuff. Fallout, X, and a couple other, a couple other projects. So, I don't know if this is, like, directed in response to horror movies or just in general talking about people looking at Gen Z as being unintelligent, stupid and all this other stuff. Now if it's relating to horror teenagers are stupid. They'll do stupid things. That's what makes them killed and motivates the main hero to stop the bad guy. It's pretty simple. Now, in regards to what's going on in real life, well, teenagers have done stupid stuff for many, many years. But I think we're reaching that point where it's getting very dangerous what these kids have been doing for a long time with bullying others to the point where they need a mental health check or they commit suicide or they do these challenges that they see on TikTok or YouTube and it's hospitalizing them or pranking others just for the sake of views. I'm not saying... And I'm sure there's a lot of people, and I'm sure Ortega realize, realizes that you know not all these kids are stupid. There's probably quite a bit that are smart. But when the most obvious of her generation are doing stupid stuff that is dangerous and outright sad, I mean, it's going to be made fun of. It's going to be mocked in television, in movies, in gaming. I mean, if if Ortega doesn't like that, I mean, make some... I would like to see her maybe make something that, you know, gives Gen Z kind of a leg up and doesn't look to mock people or, like, get, like, a crew or something to, to work on something that isn't about ridiculing that particular generation. And I'm sure it'll happen at some point. There'll be something that will give Gen Z a nod. I could see it happening. But at least her situation isn't as bad as looking at the comic strip industry 
and that is Scott Adams. So Scott Adams created Dilbert. And it's been around since 1989, and recently he had spouted off some pretty racist stuff. You know, white people should stay the hell away from black people, and it's and some other stuff, and it's gotten some cities to drop the Dilbert comic strip. I remember the days of seeing like all sorts of comic strips over the years. It's kind of slimmed down, and Dilbert was one of the mainstays, along with Garfield, Hagar the Horrible, Peanuts, obviously, uh, Beetle Bailey, Blondie, I think, and a couple others. But it just seems like over the course of the last couple of years, Adams has shot his mouth off on stupid stuff, and it's not exactly something that he is realizing is biting him in the butt. So I'm not surprised that some places are cutting his comic strip out of their papers, you know, but he probably is laughing his way to the bank, probably, with the millions he's made. I mean, even though Dilbert is not the hugest of the comic strips. I mean, it did have a cartoon in the late 90s. and probably feel like wallpaper type stuff. But maybe the guy should learn to keep his mouth shut. Or at least try to phrase things better while making himself look like an idiot. But I'll tell you who a bigger idiot is. Uh, Chase Elliott. I don't even want to know what the deal is. But tibia surgery following an incident snowboarding in Colorado. And that resulted in him. Supposedly the, the result is being out for over a month. And with NASCAR, you're still going on Sundays. Approximately six weeks, according to Yahoo Sports, fracturing left tibia. There was something funny. I think it might have been on, like, Outkick.com or some site. I forget what which one. But they basically had a thing that said Dale Earnhardt would have had his ass back in the car. I don't know, Dale Dale broke his collarbone in 96 and tried to race one more and had to have a relief driver come in. I mean, there's some good pros that have had injuries. I mean, whether it's on the track or not, it's not like what happened to Elliot is exclusive to him. And honestly, here's the thing with NASCAR. They're driving from February to November, and obviously there's times where they're testing the cars out in that brief two-month period, two-and-a-half, three-month period, before they are on their way to Daytona for the big race. So, I mean, some people are looking for stuff to do during their off time before they go to the track. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird spot. 
But Vegas, William Byron, he won it. Big win for him. Second is his teammate, Kyle Larson. Third, Alex Bowman. Hendrick, top three. Didn't realize that. Not bad. Bubba Wallace, huge fourth place finish. Christopher Bell, fifth. Austin Centric, sixth. Martin Truex Jr., seventh. Justin Haley, eighth. Kevin Harvick, ninth. And Daniel Suarez, still continuing a good run, tenth to round out the top ten. Other notables include Denny Hamlin, eleventh. Josh Chastain, twelfth. Ryan Blaney, thirteenth. Kyle Busch, fourteenth. Tyler Reddick, fifteenth. Eric Almarola, sixteenth. Brad Keselowski, seventeenth. AJ Allmendinger, eighteenth. Eric Jones, nineteenth. Chris Buescher, twenty-first. Ty Gibbs, twenty-second. Ricky Stenhouse, twenty-fourth. Michael McDowell, twenty-fifth. Harrison Burton, twenty-sixth. Austin Dillon, twenty-seventh. Chase Briscoe, twenty-eighth. Noah Gragson, thirtieth. Ty Dillon, thirty-fourth. Cody Ware, thirty-fifth. And Joey Logano, last place, thirty-six. The new uh, driver for the nine is what's his name again? Josh Berry. So he'll be the replacement driver unless they find someone else as time goes on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we had some franchise tags going on in the NFL. There's a few that are pretty noticeable. Tony Pollard wound up getting the franchise tag. So it'll be interesting to see how that fares, especially with his leg injury that happened in the playoffs. He'll be making about $10 million. Josh Jacobs, the leading rusher for the NFL last year, non-exclusive franchise tag. Darren Payne, non-exclusive. Really good year last year, 11 and a half sacks. He'll be making $18.9 million. Non-exclusive Baltimore, Lamar Jackson. He's played pretty well, but injuries, I think, have played a factor into him not getting a deal. And so far, the teams have kind of started to not want to sign him. I think they're pretty confident in not in not wanting him, and maybe they want to go a different route. Especially when you look at some of the deals going on. Four years for uh, Derek Carr in New Orleans. Juno Smith, three years, $105 million with Seattle. Daniel Jones staying in New York, four years, 160 with the Giants. Actually, one of the franchise tags happened to be Saquon Barkley. Non-exclusive franchise tag. So, they're looking to hopefully have their two guys again. The reason why the offense was decent last year. And last amongst the franchise tags, Evan Ingram, who had a pretty good year last year, and Jaguars want to keep one of their bigger weapons. $11.3 million for Ingram. Lamar is going to make $32 million if he stays in Baltimore. There was... 
some other stuff I've seen, including Philadelphia maybe maybe losing a couple of their free agent type guys on defense, that would be a huge blow to them, especially with how they fared this season. Darius Slay, <laughs> oh man, there was something like a blurb that I seen regarding Matt Patricia maybe becoming the defensive coordinator for, or maybe being part of the defense for Philadelphia. Slay was coached by Patricia when he was in Detroit, and obviously you knew how bad things were for the Lions, they were that bad. But here's the thing. I don't think Nick Sirianni is going to see any riffs, but who knows, maybe the bad blood is still there. I don't know. But Slay might have a say on it. (laughs) And one of the bigger things that could happen is Derrick Henry. He had a pretty good year last year and has enjoyed a lot of success over the course of the last five seasons. Question is, there's trade rumors. Where does he go? There's speculation he could go to either Buffalo or Miami. Buffalo, in my opinion, could be a good place, but I'm not sure how he'd fare late in the year, especially in cold weather and playing in brutal conditions if it gets that bad up in Buffalo. But he'd be a good upgrade, I'd say, over over the backups and maybe be the better starter over... Uh, Devin Singletary. Singletary, it's weird how Buffalo does things. Some games, he's really good, Singletary. Other times, he's not. It's hard to gauge whether this guy is going to be that star that they wanted to have in the backfield. Same thing with the Heinz guy. and Maybe the tutelage that Derrick Henry could give to James Cook. Cook could be the guy, too. There's also the potential of him going to Miami. Miami could use a decent run game, but here's the thing. you got Tua Tugaviola. Tua is capable of running, but I think... If they're going to avoid the issues that happened this past season with Tua's head issues, it wouldn't be such a bad thing to get Derrick Henry and ease some of the load off of off of Tug of Viola. Now, does that mean they need to give the ball to Derrick Henry 400 times a year? No. But definitely give... 280 to 320 touches and maybe throw the ball to him 20-30 times a year. And he actually did a pretty good job this year receiving. Obviously his best year receiving I think it was like 30 plus catches for over 300 yards. I think his best was 
2017 or 2019, I think. Oh my goodness. But, Tennessee, you don't know what their situation is. You don't know what they're going to do with their receivers and all that. You don't know what's going on with Tannehill or the young quarterbacks that are backing up Tannehill. Who knows what the situation will be like this upcoming year. But they do need some big weapons on offense. Whether they get rid of Tannehill or not, I don't know. Some of the signings, I mean, I I would like to see... I would like to see where someone like a Jimmy Garoppolo goes or Odell Beckham, Baker Mayfield. I would love to know where some of these places, some of these guys are going. Heading straight into the NBA. Be talking about Jay Morant in a brief second and very briefly on Sean Kemp. He says, I just saw something recently on that. Yeah, the Kemp thing booked on felony drive-by shooting charge. So, NBA standings. Right now, one of the best teams has been the New York Knicks playing some of their best ball since the All-Star break. Them and the Milwaukee Bucks. Bucks first in the conference, Knicks fifth. But 39-28, huge improvement right now for a team that was barely above 500 at this point. Including a big win against Boston earlier. Milwaukee, 47-18 for the year. Boston, 46-21. Philly, 43-22. Cleveland enjoying a good year, 42-26. Nets not too far behind in the Knicks, though. They've been struggling recently, 4-6 and six over the last 10, 37-28. The Heat have been struggling a bit, too, 3-7, and 35-32 for the year now. Eighth would be Atlanta, 33-33. Raptors, ninth, 32-35. And, and the Wizards, half a game behind, 31-35. Worst team is Detroit right now, followed by Charlotte, Orlando, Indiana, and Chicago. Chicago is actually not too far off, and so is Indiana. They're only a couple games. Indiana's two games behind Washington, and the Bulls a game. In the Western Conference, Denver Nuggets leading the way. Really good run lately, eight and two. They're forty six and twenty for the season. Sacramento enjoying a really good year, second in the conference, seven and three recently, thirty eight and twenty six for the year. Grizzlies have been struggling, and I'll be getting to that very briefly. Phoenix seven and three, thirty seven and twenty nine now. Getting Kevin Durant probably could be the difference maker. Golden State fifth, thirty four and thirty two for the year. Although the Clippers are 35 and 33, they are six. The T-Wolves, man, 34 and 33, they've been kind of on and off over the last 10 games, but seventh in the conference. So they could potentially play in the playoffs, play in tournament. 
the Mavericks are actually in the same record, though they've been struggling a bit more recently. Three and seven versus five and five Timberwolves over the last ten games. The Lakers have been on a hot roll, seven and three over the last ten games. They're ninth though, thirty-two and thirty-four, and the Pelicans. 32 and 34 now, same record too, but they've been struggling a bit lately. Thunder not too far behind, as is the case with Portland and Utah. Worst teams are Houston and San Antonio. Man, you talk about a fall from grace with Greg Popovich. That is really bad. I don't think they've had a season this bad since that year when David Robinson was hurt when Popovich took over once that first coach got fired through the, I think it was 96-97 season. Holy moly. One of the smaller things, just very briefly before I forget, Bayheim, Jim Bayheim. You see these coaches start to retire after many years. Bayheim, the latest guy to step out as coach of a college basketball team, 47 seasons with Syracuse. Now, going to Memphis. Jay Morant. So this guy, I think, had a ton of technicals and could have been suspended, but... But, he is going to be suspended indefinitely. Now, he's not being charged, and he won't face charges for a gun video that he did. Brandishing a gun, I think, for like Instagram or something. Though... You know, these players, obviously they're trying to, I think, I think some players want protection, especially for you know being high-profile athletes or being in an environment. Maybe Morant was in an environment like that, or maybe he's just trying to protect himself. But you can't be doing that stuff. You can't be doing that, especially when you're playing in the league. It it makes you look stupid. Maybe the Grizzlies are going to have like a lesson learned on that. And hopefully Morant knows enough to be like, I shouldn't be doing this. I need to be smarter. I got to think of my team. I got to think about what the team needs for me, but I also got to be smarter mentally and I think this should apply to other players too. They need to understand that a bit more. Arrested ex-Sonic star Sean Kemp for an alleged drive-by shooting. Whoo-wee. Now, he may not have done it, but shooting at the Tacoma Mall... Whether this is from K5, 
<laughs> Same birthday as a former basketball player. Six time. Played for many years. Fired off. Here's the thing I'm thinking. Did Kemp ever have trouble with the law? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Sean Kemp Law. I don't know if he ever had any other law issues. Seems like the last thing a guy like him would do, though. It's pretty sad. I mean, there was a time where the Supersonics were such a good team back in the 90s. Like him and... uh, Schempf and Peyton and some of these other guys. I mean, there's a reason why they made it to the finals in 96. They were that good. Just couldn't beat the 72-10 and 10 Bulls. Oh, man. Nearing baseball. Nearing baseball. The only big thing I can think of is Justin Turner getting hit in the face. That's all I can really say. Took a uh, pitch to face, 16 stitches. But, you know, it happens. I mean, you got to find ways to protect people, though. That's really the only thing I could say. Some players have tried to use that helmet type, use that thing that guys like Giancarlo Stan have been using since 28, well, for a long time, really. Actually, I want to look at his stats for a brief moment. Turner, I thought, was supposed to be like this really good player. Yeah, only when he got to L.A. did he start looking like a contender. Still hitting pretty well, but I thought his stats would have been maybe a bit better. 1,300 hits, 164 home runs, a career 289 average. I I figured his numbers would have been better. Seriously. He's He's missed quite a bit of games in 2018 and 2019. And this will go directly into television because Bally Sports is potentially bankrupt. Now, Bally Sports, I got to look at the info on that because it's a group of regional sports in the United States. Casino Operator Bally. I'm going to have to look up Wikipedia on this because I know there's regional sports stuff all around the world. Teams by network. Yeah, Bally Sports for... Yeah, I mean, it's for NHL, NBA, MLB, maybe some other stuff permitting... But 
as far as I know, maybe some NFL, maybe some WNBA. So let's see what they got for MLB. Arizona, Detroit, Miami, Cleveland, Kansas City, St. Louis, Minnesota, Cincinnati, San Diego, L.A. for the Angels, Atlanta. Actually, I want to see what, there's some other info. Uh, just go back to it for a second. Atlanta, in a couple regions for Atlanta, Texas, Tampa Bay, L.A. Angels, some stuff for occasional telecasts on certain things or team-related stuff. For some places, this is how they get their sports broadcasting. Otherwise, it's going to NBC Sports Chicago or Philadelphia or Washington. Maybe it's just me. But maybe it's just getting tougher and tougher to get people to stay committed to a group such as Bally Sports. I don't have an answer on any of this, if I'm being honest. I got no answer. Because I don't know how to answer it because you got you got specific places that are doing well with their viewership, whether it's, you know, the Chicago Cubs, the Yankees obviously, the Mets, Phillies, maybe some places like the Astros. It looks like a lot of it's for like the smaller regional teams, although there's some big ones like the Cardinals. You'd think the Cardinals would be having like a bigger bigger network or something along that line. I mean, they're one of the most prestigious teams in all of the National League. You know, being the same thing with like the Dodgers and the San Francisco, you think get better coverage or something. And maybe it's just a sign of the times. I mean, the Bally Sports stuff It, it, unless unless I'm reading it wrong, it was founded almost two years ago. March of 2021. It's... I don't know how you could even do something like that when people are cutting the cord... And potentially MLB looking to take over, this is according to KARE11, looks like a Midwest area, preparing to take over broadcasting games at Bally Sports Files for bankruptcy. 17 of its teams, okay, this is the Minnesota area. Those plans include the MLB hiring three executives to its new local media department this week, including two former employees. In debt, failed to make a $140 million interest payment, which kicked started a 30-day grace period. So, come the 17th, give or take, 
day... Nope, ends the 15th. Weird. Statement regarding... We don't want them to have financial difficulties. Obviously, our pay the clubs what they're contractually obligated. I mean, yeah, it's going to affect a lot because... You know, this is how they get access to some of their teams in the NBA. They don't have that luxury of having like an MSG or NBC Chicago and WGN and some of these other stuff. They just don't have that luxury. And I think looking at that, it's a it's probably a bad idea to find to found this when people are cutting off the cord or in not to mention the political stuff and some other factors into the playing season not catching people's interests anymore and i think it's also a factor when you look at how fractured cable is now these days you look at how fractured it is and it's getting more and more fractured every day. When certain revivals of certain channels can't even do well anymore or fail to re- do even a tenth of what they did long ago, that's telling. We could be reaching a point, I'm not saying it, it'll be now, but we could be reaching a point where streaming is probably the only way you're going to watch sports. And it's probably not worth the money for a lot of people to get a cable package that's going to cost way too much for one person and they got to pick and choose. It's similar to what's the, what the deal is with streaming. You pick and choose what you want to watch based on what you like. And if someone is a major sports fan, they're not going to want like movie packages or maybe just take one and then pick their sports packaging and that's it. They're not going to, for the most part, pick everything and have it cost $200, $300 a month where they're basically spending away four or five thousand a year. I know the math is a little off on that, but just saying altogether. It's just not a good situation, and it, it could be what could be the inevitable downfall of cable collapsing, even with some networks still doing well ratings wise. I don't know. It's it looks pretty bleak for baseball, and I think some teams are going to struggle financially with not having people watch the games unless MLB intervenes. And these are from some of the teams I just mentioned. These are some of the smaller teams, and some teams that are pretty popular, but I guess not popular enough to be on an NBC network. it's up in the air what your thought is and lastly talk a couple gaming related stuff um, actor 
Tom Sizemore passed away recently uh, due to a brain aneurysm and a stroke. Passed away on the 3rd. It was about 61 years old, I want to say. I just want to look at that for a brief moment. How old was he? 61, 62. And he found himself in some pretty big roles in the 90s and 2000s. Saving Private Ryan. He was like the big name behind Tom Hanks, obviously. He was in Heat. Black Hawk Down. Natural Born Killers. He found himself in quite a bit of like action and war stuff. And one of the bigger ones that I'll bring up is... Uh, GTA Vice City, where he played Sonny Ferrelli, the main guy who's the reason why the story of Vice City comes into play, trying to keep Tommy Versetti away from Liberty City, and when the deal goes south, no pun intended, Tommy tries to reassure Sonny that he will get Sonny's money back. It's kind of sad when you think about it. Last year, Ray Liotta passed away. And now, uh, Sizemore. Although, Sizemore had a pretty complicated past. Supposedly some secret romantic stuff, drug issues, abuse. Especially during the times where he was still a big deal. Compare that to... Leota, who managed to find many roles via movies and even some TV work. Like guest star, leading roles in television. It's weird to think of that. It's it's just sad. The main the main good guy in air quotes and the bad guy passing away in the last two years respectively. Think about that. I'm trying to think of who else passed away in that uh, game. I think the closest thing I could think of is Dennis Hopper. But that was, what, 09, 08 when he passed away? Other than that, most of the others are still alive. And that was the one with the, with the biggest star-studded cast, all things considered. Like Bill Fitchner, or how you say his last name... Uh, Faroja Bulk, I want to say that's where the last name is. Who else? Luis Guzman. Lawrence Taylor was in it. Kevin McKidd. A couple others, too. Some other, like, not huge, huge names, but still, well, still recognized amongst the GTA crowd and maybe some other smaller works. And one of the last things I'll talk about is supposedly there's some free stuff going on with the Nintendo 3DS. But whether that applies to all regions or not, I don't know. Free 3DS. Free 3DS games. Supposedly there was some stuff I saw offhand somewhere. 
where there was like fr- like free games, but supposedly only in Europe. At least that's what I heard. Whether that's the case or not, try and get it if you can, especially with the service shutting down on March 27th, so a little over two weeks before that shuts down, along with the Wii U. Starting to see some discount stuff as well for for some stuff for the 360. One of the most notable that caught my eye, and I'm definitely getting it, is DuckTales Remastered. Good game. If you ever get a chance to play it, it's a good game. Uh, not as good as the NES original, but it's still a competent, short, and simple platforming game. Really good graphics, really beautiful artwork. Voice acting is pretty good. I like the remixes of the music, although you can buy the NES tracks, which is really special. Like, you can play between using the NES music and the remix stuff. So, I mean, it's for the biggest fan of DuckTales. I think it's big discount on the 360. And there's some other stuff, too, for 360. Uh, like, one or two Resident Evils that never get discounts and one or two other things. And people are still panicking right now over 360 maybe shutting down in May. I think people are just really scared because we are reaching that point where I mean, this stuff could shut down. It could inevitably happen. But I don't think a lot of people are taking chances on it not being true and just want to see to get whatever they can, get the season passes, get the DLCs, get cosmetic crap, get whatever they can before it shuts down. And there's some exclusive stuff that you can't get via disc. You got to get it digitally. And I'm sure that the same thing will apply with PlayStation 3 and Vita when they get shut down inevitably. Actually, they could have been shut down two years ago, I want to say. But fans complained enough, and Sony decided not to. But it could happen. It could happen. PlayStation 4 wound up getting an update. I think it's becoming a big deal. Kind of. PS4 update 1050. Huh. Do not, do not update, huh? Just want to see for a minute. Okay, this is some jailbreaking type of thing. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, some people definitely will do it just to get free stuff, but not. I mean. Inevitably, I could see people jailbreaking it and putting homebrew stuff in whenever the consoles are discontinued or don't want to use the online or use their profile stuff anymore. Have at it. Quite a bit of updates for across multiple systems recently. 
Take advantage of the updates if you can with the 3DS and the Wii U. There was something I heard recently regarding years of inactivity with the Wii U. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Wii U NAND corruption. Yeah, there's some stuff issues. Memory errors for the Wii U. So this is... So this is something recently. Many users reporting bricked Wii U consoles after not playing them for years. The corruption that leads to the errors. This is from My Nintendo News. The Verge is talking about it. Uh, YouTube channel Mad Little Pixel talking about it. Yeah, a couple of Nintendo sites. Yeah, supposedly it's a claim. But it could happen. And it wouldn't be surprised if it applies to other systems as well, where you've used something for so many years, or you haven't used it in many years, whether you use it every day or not, the memory will die off eventually. And it may not be possible to play said system, or computer, or any technological thing. Fortunately, it's the cycle of life. But it's sad for the Wii U in particular because the Wii U was a failure. And there wasn't many games for it. And with the shutdown of the Wii U store coming up, same time as the 3DS, end of March, it makes owning the system probably even more difficult and probably will drive the price up, if I had to assume. Sad to end it on that, but it's the cold reality. I mean, game consoles will die. It's inevitable that they'll die. Even if someone repairs it day in and day out and fixes to the best of their ability, it may not be possible. could be at a point 20, 30, 40 years from now where certain systems you can only play via emulation. It may not be the same, but people will find ways to play old games. You just hope the emulation's perfect. It will never be perfect, but someone's going to try. Anything with 95 to 99%, well, some people will find it okay, others will not. So I'll end this episode here. As I said before, this podcast is on Anchor.fm. You can also find us on Spotify, Radio Public, and Google Podcasts. So I don't download those places. Search for Geeks and Jacks. Plenty of content awaits. So that is episode 145. This is Ryan Sullivan. Hope to hear your listeners on the next podcast. Stay safe. Stay protected. Take care of yourself. Take care, everyone. <laughs>